Welcome, Sacramento, to the State of the Republic podcast. My name is Luis, and today I am joined by our podcast mom, Sharon, and direct from Arizona, Jared. First, uh, let's go to you, Sharon. How's it going? Hey, it's going okay. Um, I still have high hopes for our squad. I think we still have firepower. Um, my life is going great. It's going to be a hot one. I'm looking forward, not not looking forward to the heat, but you know, whatever. Jared, how are you doing? Uh, glad I'm not in downtown Phoenix right now. The uh, Suns-Bucks game just ended, um, which I actually watched uh, about the last uh, quarter of. And I just know it's going to go nuts uh, there. But uh, otherwise, other than that, I'm doing excellent. Uh, kind of wish the uh, games that we just had this week went a little bit better. But still, they could always go worse. Oh, yeah. They could definitely go worse. And especially no points it would be the worst outcome. So I guess there's something positive to be said about these two games but we really need to start scoring goals though we really need to oh my goodness positive we you know i'm glad you guys are on because there are moments where it's kind of like when people ask me about the squad and the team and all that and it's like yeah i don't know and yeah i i'm gonna be interested to hear what jared says about the san diego match yeah so let's go ahead then and uh hear it directly from jared jared as as we uh, all know actually attended the San Diego versus Sacramento match uh, last Saturday uh, match that as we all know before it was supposed to be in the morning and I was supposed to be there I was in Southern California in the morning but unfortunately that that didn't happen but Jared actually went and I know from what you were telling me Jared you had a much better journey to the stadium which well, thankfully, I think after going through <laughs> your adventure in the Bay Area, that that was a relief, right? So uh, I'm curious to know, Jared, can you tell us all like how it all went down? Like give us like, you know, your day before getting there and how the stadium was and then your observations in the game. It went much, much smoother this time around compared to Oakland. Getting down to San Diego, I found a uh, decent fare on uh, Greyhound. So technically, I left Phoenix uh, Friday night, uh, pulled into L.A. at about 5 a.m. or so, a couple hours layover, got down to San Diego a little bit after uh, 11.15. Once I got uh, checked in, uh, got got haircut, uh, checked in, and then made my way over to the stadium. And the stadium itself isn't. Isn't that bad? I mean, it's a little reminiscent of uh, Irvine Stadium, but uh, obviously not as new. Uh, the uh, the hosts, I mean, they were definitely uh, welcoming, uh, both before and after the match. You know, they you know appreciated having away fans uh, come over, especially from as far away as uh, Sacramento and technically Phoenix. Uh, the concessions were a little bit odd. I mean, actually very ironic because the food was being served out of the Jenny Craig Pavilion. I kid you not. The same Jenny Craig that used to be a weight loss program that that blew up in the eighties and nineties. Uh, beer selection was it was okay. I mean, I, I'll still stick with Heart uh, Health Park and a couple other uh, home fields. But uh, Jared, that just killed me when you <laughs> when you said it was being at the Jenny Craig pavilion i think that's fabulous so we'll see oh my that was good thank you for that (laughs) yeah i mean as soon as i saw the name i was thinking first of all the food is 
so-so, so it kind of makes sense now. That's coming out of the G- Jenny Craig Pavilion. But uh, no, I mean, uh, the crowds there were, you know, were, were excellent. Uh, we actually had uh, quite a few uh, Republic FC uh, fans, not only in our section, but kind of scattered around. It might have been possible that they weren't aware of the uh, away uh, supporters section, which is understandable. Uh, we did have uh, quite a number of uh, loyal SC fans in our section as well. So it made for a good mixing. You know, everyone was, was jovial and cordial. You know, it's not like some of the... Uh, heckling or anything like that that I've experienced uh, locally here at uh, Phoenix Rising FC uh, matches where you have a few knuckleheads. I didn't really see that in San Diego. I mean, they, they truly loved uh, the game. Of course, they loved the, uh, the loyal. And once that last, that second goal hit, I mean, even though Hart sunk in, in San Diego, they were still upbeat. You know, it's, it was a good atmosphere down there. I'll, I'll, I'll give it that. Yeah, that, that that's good to hear because, uh, as you said, right, you want to go to an away match and not not experience any difficulties. And y- you know, I, I I wouldn't expect anything less. I think from the people down there and just from the people that we know that are fans of the team and the supporters group and just the culture of the team in general, right? I, I think you you would you would expect that. So r- really good. I'm oh, curious, what, what kind of food was served at the Jenny Craig Pavilion? <laughs> well, before the match started, um, actually surrounding the uh, pavilion, they had like a uh, kind of like a, va- a fan zone area. They had uh, bacon-wrapped uh, hot dogs. Uh, they had chicken tenders and fries. Uh, they had hot dogs, you know, the usual fare. Uh, I will say the bacon-wrapped hot dogs uh, were pretty good. I probably should have gotten a couple more. The chicken tenders, I mean, were a little bit small and they were just like regular shoestring type fries. So of course they're going to jack the price up for that. Uh, they had beers that I guess they partnered with the university of San Diego, uh, a local brewery did. Uh, was all right. Uh, there was also a, a stone brewer. Uh, was it stone brewery? Uh, had lime and salt and lime in it. But the time I had it in the second quarter, it was to the point where I literally lost any and all appetite to eat or drink. This was like maybe 10, 15 minutes before uh, Tainter scored his goal. I mean, I just could not eat any more of the uh, the burger that I had gotten. It was like a, a Diego burger. I ordered it at halftime, barely got it at like the 55th or 60th minute. It was a repeat of uh, Irvine a couple of years ago. Oh, wow. Interesting. The, the camaraderie that I've always found um, when West Coast teams, and it doesn't even matter where you travel, soccer has a wonderful camaraderie. And you said you experienced some good camaraderie with the fans from San Diego. And that's to be expected. I mean, even the Oakland fans that came up uh, last night, I mean, there's soccer is soccer. And we all are very passionate about the sport. And yeah, I don't think we're quite to the point where we're as adversarial as you see sometimes in this Premier League and, you know, some of the European leagues that, you know, the, the supporters of opposite teams clash. I don't think we see that as much in the U.S. because we're just, um, I don't know, maybe it's not, we don't have 125 years of supporting a single team, you know, where our grandfathers and grandmothers supported the same team. Um, I just think that camaraderie is, is way different, uh, you know, over here. It, because we just love the sport. So I'm glad you felt that when you went to San Diego, Jared. That's important. Yeah, it was uh, definitely a flip of the script compared to the last time I was in San Diego, seeing the uh, 
New York Jets play the San Diego Chargers, we ended up getting uh, blanked down 37 nothing. And even after that, Chargers fans wanted to start a fight for this. So I think it's there's definitely a big difference between uh, gridiron f- football fans and soccer slash football fans, especially on the West Coast. Oh well, well, I'm <laughs> I'm glad that Mitch uh, was able to score that goal. Otherwise, man, he would have gone blank another <laughs> another time at San Diego. So that that was a a really good one. So if we start um, talking about this match, um, let's go ahead and start by looking at the starting eleven um, again against this match against uh, San Diego. Started up with uh, Tomas Gomez still uh, as our goalkeeper. And out back on the wings, we got Duke LaCroix and Jordan McCrary. Really glad to see Jordan back in the starting lineup there. Um, center defense, uh, Nabi starting up another game and uh, Dan Casey. In the midfield, we had Mario Penagos, which uh, I was really glad to see in the starting 11 because we really haven't seen that much of him, at least up to that point in that match, of course. Um, we had uh, Luis Felipe in the midfield and also uh, P uh, right there as well. And then up front, we saw Derek Formella, Cameron Awasa, and Tucker Bone, uh, which, uh, as, as we'll talk about later on, also started in yesterday's match. So let's go ahead and look at some of the highlights right, uh, of this match and whatnot here so as usual we're looking at at the youtube highlights if you want to follow along if you want to check them out later on um go go check out the video on youtube search for um hashtag sdvsac and that should be a quick way to find it but what were your guys's general thoughts on on the match uh you know we're going to try and get through this one really quick so we can talk more about the one from yesterday but i'm curious to hear uh sharon what what were your thoughts overall Okay, so so one of the things that I noticed was, you know, it, it, we we tried to come out a little stronger. We tried to come out with a little bit more um, tactical awareness. The thing that surprised me the best and the most was Dan Casey's awareness. I'm really starting to like Dan Casey a lot. I really like Tucker Bone. Um, I I like the rhythm that Tucker brings to the game, and I like how he is a drifter when it comes to sneaking in, you know, in different parts of uh, the field. I do know uh, that the goal that was let in, I'm trying to remember if it was another foible by Hayden Sarges or just what. Um, I'm still not, I know you're sold on Mario Panagos and I'm breaking it down into player by player attributes, Um, but he's a, he's not some, he goes, he falls over like a toothpick um, really easily. He gets knocked off the ball very quickly and very easily. And we can't have that if you're playing somewhere in the middle of the field you know, we're always talking about playing both sides of the ball, you know, whether you're attacking and he's got great passing skills and he's got, you know, those great attributes and he's very, he sees things, but he, he doesn't, he gets knocked off the ball so easily. And we saw that yesterday, last night too. But that being said, um, I, you know, I, I think we've played with a little better heart in San Diego and I'm glad we got that last minute goal. Thank God Mitch Tainter got that because it was just getting to be a very sad day for us. Um, um what's his name who scored come on help me out with his name um they used to play for reno and he's a very high school oh, Herzog. Corey. yeah oh, Corey Herzog. yeah that's the one that got away again you know there's a couple of players that i wish we could have picked up for reno Corey's one of them because i think he just has an uncanny sense of getting in getting it following the balls into the goal um i think san diego had a really good knack of framing the goal very well uh you know they're very disciplined 
And I don't know if that's a Landon Dunham thing or just what. I still think we could have won this game had we had a little bit more uh, focus um, and discipline in the defense. Again, I, I think our, our our defensive system is a little step and fetch it periodically. I just don't think. Yeah, there's still a few things that are that need to be tweaked, obviously, because we're not scoring and we've got the firepower. So, Jared, what do you think? Yeah, it, it was definitely a slugfest uh, out there at uh, Toro that, that uh, Saturday. I mean, uh, Tucker Bone, I mean, he definitely put, put his work in. Dan Casey, his awareness, I mean, just the fact that he almost hit that Roro shot. I mean, he caught the, the, the keeper napping. I mean – he, the fact that he, he saw an opportunity, took it, that's what we need more. We need to, to see more opportunities, take more opportunities. I mean, thankfully we did last night against Oakland. S- uh, San Diego, we definitely uh, put, uh, put in the uh, the fortitude. I mean, we didn't do this, uh, oh, oh, I'm by the goal. What should I do? Should I pass it? Should I kick it backwards? No, they actually took opportunities and they fired it off. Uh, my, I, I know uh, also seemed a, a little bit slow, uh, but uh, you know, with as many seasons as he's played, you know, he's not going to be as quick as he used to be. But uh, well, other he's than very, that, he's very right-footed. If he doesn't get the ball to exactly the right spot for a shot, he's not taking it. And yeah. you know, and and then the other thing you don't want a player to do is to constantly shoot it into the defender. You know, if they don't have the opening, you know, you need to quickly think about passing it to somebody who does have an opening. And it, it was interesting because last night that was happening a lot, and I had very experienced soccer player slash fans on either side of me where I was sitting, and the conversation was incredible. They were both Arsenal fans. One of them was from England, the other one was from Nigeria. And the way that they talked about our players and the way they talked about Kamawasa, immediately the one who hadn't seen as many, very many games, he goes, oh, he's so right-footed and he has to get it just perfectly on his right foot before he'll take a shot. It's like, yeah, well, yeah. And, you know, Cam is a different style of player. I had to remind the, the, the you know, my people I was sitting by that Cam is kind of a panther. If something is open or sloppy and, you know, a knockdown rebound, Cam will pounce on that sort of stuff. But he's a different kind of a player than Tucker Bone. Tucker Bone is very skilled at his feet. You know, he can turn, he can he can juke players and be successful. He's not going to juke a player and then run right into another defender. He's very good about getting around two or three or four guys. And then mm-hmm. he can shoot with either foot. Tucker can shoot either foot and he can shoot on any surface of his foot. We've seen that already. He can shoot from an outside foot. He can shoot inside laces. You know, he can toe ball it. I don't care. Tucker can, you know, he and Derek Vermillion know how to score goals. But even in this game, we just weren't. It just wasn't. It it, it just wasn't. The shots, yeah. We, Dan Casey, I think, had the most aware shot on the game. Yes. That Dan Casey shot right from midfield, like, if you guys go back and, and watch it, for all the listeners, uh, go back and, and check it out. I can't believe that, like, the ball, as it's going up in the air, it, it seems like it has a lot of force, like it's going to go directly in, and then it just kind of, like, just whoop, just goes down. And I'm like, how did that How did that happen? If, <laughs> I don't know if there was any wind, and Jared could probably tell us a little bit more, but... I mean, it, it looked like it was a really strong shot that was going right right at goal, like not even where it landed at. Yeah, I was uh, sitting uh, at the opposite side of the field. Actually, 
just uh, to the TV right of the uh, lo- uh, locals uh, supporter group. And as soon as I saw Dan Case just decide, okay, I'm going to shoot from the circle here. I, I practically stood up. I was like, wait, 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 wait. What is he doing? Ah! I mean, they, they, pro- they probably could have heard that, uh, that sigh all the way up in Carlsbad or Oceanside. <laughs> Yeah, oh, imagine he scores that. That's it's got to be nominated to like go the season right there if if that goes in, but yeah. Unfortunately, it didn't go in, right? But San Diego had an opportunity and you know, I'm really worried about the goal they scored because there was a lot of passes, there was a lot of like miscommunication and Corey just walked inside right he literally it seems like he was just walking and he just like <laughs> uh, went down and had the ball and that, that was it and you know I, I think it's really worrisome because we've seen these kinds of things happen and if you don't correct these things they're just going to keep happening right simple mistakes but you can't have someone do so many passes because these things happen and you know as, as we look at, at other plays that San Diego had, I feel like they they could have won this game. Uh, and, and like you were saying, Sharon, I, I don't know if it's the Donovan mentality or what it is, but this team's a lot different uh, this season, I feel. Um, even though last season, you know, we, they, they should have been in the playoffs, right? We all know what happened. Um, but this season, they're you know, being their second season, completely different team. I think there's one team that, you know, we we need to take seriously uh, as we should of course with all the teams but this is one of those teams that is competing i think to be the number two of the west right next to phoenix and that should make us worried right because before it was like phoenix is the only thing we should really worry about all the other ones hey we could beat them but phoenix is that really like challenging opponent but now we we got one that is quite quite different and you know we, we've seen in this game we'll see how they play in sacramento that hasn't happened yet of course right uh, i'm really excited for that game to to happen um at home for us um but yeah other than that i mean we we got you know i wouldn't say we got lucky but we got the opportunity there at the end and mitch luckily was still up front <laughs> which is what you expect, right, from all your team is to just stay up front, and, and he was at the right position there. Um, funny enough, he, he scores the goal right in front of the locals, and Jared, you could probably tell us how quiet the whole stadium was when that goal happened, especially in front of the locals. But um, Yeah. yeah. At, at the time that uh, they were getting ready to take possession, I was actually uh, messaging a couple folks, you know, say, mentioning, oh, it's there's like there's like hardly any minutes left for stoppage time. We're gonna end, end up losing. And then since I put the phone down, here co- here comes uh, Mitchell Taylor, it with the back of his head, if I saw correctly, knocking it in. And I near nearly dropped my phone, but I just go up and grab my my scarf and just let loose for like a good 20, 25 seconds. I mean, you pro- probably could have heard me up there in uh <laughs> Stockton Modesto by how loud I was just just cheering, seeing Mitchell Tanner make this freak shot with the back of his head in, into the goal, 
the rest of the crowd just fell almost dead silent once that happened at the death minute. I mean, they were going and expecting that to have us continue a losing streak, but that just fell through. Yeah, and uh, I'm with, uh, I forgot who it was, but someone on social media actually commented, like, let's have Mitch B. Ford, right? Oh, yes, <laughs> I, I saw that. that. Well, you know, it's funny because he kind of went into, it was almost like he was doing a wingback position, but, you know, I know <laughs> that we were throwing every player up as, as much as we could. And Mitch has been lucky for us. Mitch has come up clutch when we let him roam a little bit. So, you know, it's not, it's not uncommon to have a defender uh, do an overlap unexpected, doesn't get picked up the way a regular striker or midfielder would have been picked up because it's like, wait a minute, this guy's not normally up here. And, you know, so it causes confusion. And if that's how we have to play the rest of our matches and just cause like massive confusion, I think we need to try something, you know, um, something that will get us a goal. I still like Pete. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, I always give massive props always to Pete. And after watching him play last night live, uh, well, I've got a different perspective. So let us know when (laughs) we're ready to talk about last night's game. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, we'll we'll talk about, about what happened right there, but, but yeah, no, I mean, great way to finish a game, right. Scoring last minute. I think it's been, I don't know how long since we've actually scored a goal, like at the very last minute. And so, yeah, I'm sure Jared that seeing that happen, uh, you probably went out like feeling like we got the three points out of San Diego, right? Yeah. I was just glad we got one point. I mean, that just made the rest <laughs> of the San Diego trip uh, that much better. <laughs> I felt so much better breaking in my Republic FC beach towel uh, later that, that, that evening. And then the next day, <laughs> Well, well, one little detail actually is that we didn't wear the quail jersey, right? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> we were not with the quail jersey. You are correct. Uh, so you know, I'm, no I'm just more, saying. no more. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that that was uh, the game again. One one um, exciting game there uh, at the end of the match, and so let's go ahead and uh, move on to the game that we had yesterday. Um, our second game against Oakland Roots should have been our third game, but we, we all know what happened in the last game. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, but we were back in uh, Sacramento, uh, and what a game, right? Uh, I mean, I, I don't know about you guys, but I feel like this game is probably the game in which we've had the most opportunities, and yet none of them actually was able to capitalize, right? But what were you guys' thoughts? So I was at the game and, you know, okay, so I, I pulled up Fop Mob at halftime to see what the stats look like. And it showed, this is so weird, Fop Mob showed Oakland Roots having the bulk of the possession. But that's not right because I was at the game and I know that Sacramento had a bulk of the possession. And so I, and, and we had the bulk of the shots. So I was a little perplexed at what um, Fop Mob was saying, but even the stats that you're pulling up here shows that Oakland Roots had more possession than we did. And in the past, whenever we've had more possession, it doesn't equal goals. It just means we just held on to the ball a little bit longer, which is our downfall because we hold on to the ball and then we don't do anything with it. Um, you know, granted we had 19 shots, but only three of them were on target. And, you know, it's a, 
so there was an unfortunate situation that looked like it could have been a goal. It was in the second half. Um, no, it was in the first half. And I didn't know why the whistle was being blown. And I don't know if we have that pulled up or not, but it was this phantom weird call. And I don't know if it's a 50, 50 something or another. I don't know what the call was. And then there was a knockdown rebound and Derek from finished it. And we didn't get, we didn't get credit. There was, it was like somebody blew the whistle for some ungodly reason. And, and I honestly, I even asked the friends that I was watching with, and it's like, why was the, what, there was a whistle. What, what was the whistle about? And no, they couldn't tell me it. And they just said, well, it was a foul. And it's like, yeah, but I didn't see a foul, but um, I thought Tucker had a great game last night. A lot of the, his shots were played well, because he only played the first half. A lot of his shots were happening right in front of me because I was sitting right behind the goal there. And it was fabulous watching, you know, I, I'm a huge Tucker fan. I'm a huge Pete Pennon fan. And I'm a huge fan of anybody that feeds those guys the balls. Shannon Gomez was spot on. He was really good. Um, you know, it's it was it was interesting first half. I really thought we were going to get some goals in the first half. And then it was almost like we took the foot off the gas pedal. And there was a lull. There was like kind of like, I don't know if you guys noticed, like a kind of a little bit of a boring lull for a little while. And some errant passes. And just it, it, it the game just felt different at one point. Maybe it was right at the beginning of the second half and, you know, made a lot of subs. We made like three or four subs and, and we lost, um, we lost a little bit of rhythm then. Yeah. I've been noticing that as well, because the past few games, the second half, they decided to put the foot on the gas the last 10, 15 minutes or so and get a, get a good surge. But this one I've noticed about the 75th, 80th minute, they were just, kind of puttering around yes they put put in a good 19 shots compared to oakland's eventual two but i mean when you're only getting three shots on target that that's that's telling you something i mean i mean granted yes i'm glad they're at least getting it towards the goal now we need to just focus on getting it closer towards the bars preferably inside the net i know that comes within time but it's still better than the, the passing around that they have been doing uh, most of this year. But uh, as far as the phantom call, I, I definitely agree on that because even uh, Rob McAllister and Kevin Goldway, they were questioning what the foul was, who was it on? And they even had a shot of uh, coach Briggs questioning referee, but basically stating like, tell me who the foul is on and what it's for. And, and that's the end of the discussion. And really nobody said anything. It was really weird. And so we, we heard the whistle cause we were right there when the whistle and, and you know, the foul. So we knew that there was a foul called the rest of the stadium did not know that they didn't hear the whistle. And they saw the, um, when Derek Formella made a goal, well, you know, yeah. it would have been a goal Yeah. and the whole stadium erupted and we're like already sitting there going, um, uh, it didn't, it's not, there was a whistle and, it's not going to yeah. count. And, and so we were all like sad while the rest of the stadium was elated and then disappointed, you know, when it wasn't called in, nobody, mm-hmm. knew, nobody understood. Even like I said, even these guys that are super experienced soccer people, I said, what was the foul? What was, ha- what happened? And they, well, the whistle blew. I said, I heard the whistle. What was the foul? It happened so fast. It's like, where was, where was it? And so I, again, uh, Jared, your uh, your post on social media of you know the, the ref being the man of the match, you know that are they're going to deny us the opportunity to win a game, you know it really did feel like it was stacked again. 
Yeah. And speaking of Stack, I'm sure if Robert Stack was around, he'd be uh, investigating <laughs> that unsolved mystery as well. <laughs> yeah. So, so, so it was interesting. This referee took a different tact tactic with the players. You know, we've had some officiating the last two home matches that look like uh, the referee wasn't in control of the match. This referee didn't start handing out the yellow cards until it was necessary. But for some reason, when he blew the whistle, I mean, there was no there was no negotiating. I, I think they must have had a good captain's talk ahead of the game and basically said, you know, this this is what's acceptable. This is, this is what is not. And I think the, the players were not – I think they were in their a better behavior, so to speak, you know, until until the yellows had to, to come out. I think what we got two yellows, they got one. I, f- I forget what the stats were on the yellow cards. But, um, yeah, yeah, we got, we got two, they got one. But at the end of the day, I thought it was a – overall better officiated except for that dang um situation where we don't know what the foul was you know the mystery foul yeah phantom call aside it was definitely a more well-behaved match compared to uh against uh, the match against phoenix where it seemed like phoenix was starting anything and everything cards were flying nearly nearly fists were flying but uh this past match and, and i don't even say san diego definitely more disciplined everybody knew their place uh, yeah, it was definitely a big change compared to the past uh, few weeks, I've noticed. Yeah, and I don't know if that's a Mark Briggs thing, basically telling his players, don't let them get under your skin. You know, if you do, just use it, take it out on the ball, take it out on the play, in the field of play. I just wish if we did take it out on the field of play that, you know, we were – we just need goals. I mean, at the end of the day, we could just talk for an hour about what the breakdowns were and all that other stuff. But at the end of the day, we need – the back of the net, and then we will shut up. You know, we will celebrate with everybody else, but and, and we we won't shut up. We need goals. We need to have our players not waiting for that perfect thing. Like Tucker Bone doesn't wait for the perfect moment. He will take a shot. You know, most of the time, you know, it just he's he's in fairly good position. And like I said, he could he uses any part of his foot. Same with Derek from LL, though. You know, he has a favorite you know, side that he likes to shoot from. And he does like the ball to be perfectly just right before he does take the shot. But we just need more shots. We need more shooting. Now, getting to Pete Pennanen, and I know, Luis, you want to jump in here, but Pete Pennanen, he did, he was a workhorse yesterday. When I was watching, I was keeping Mm -hmm. an eye on him. If they had a tracker on that guy, he was up. He was in defense. He was in the attack. He was making all these like fun little, fine little creases. He was doing creases and seams. He was finding all that right stuff. And I was just like, I'm still a huge Pete fan. Plus his free kicks that he was taking, his corner kicks, all of those are, he's, he's pretty flawless. You know, you don't want a beginner like Juju, that one game we took two uh, corner kicks and they were like, we were just like, oh no, please don't let him get, oh, he took another one. Oh, and it scuffed, you know, he duffed it. Remember that game? Um, oh yeah. I remember or was it Ruff, or Rafa? I forget who it was, but there was a, a player. It's like we, we counted. It we needed a good corner kick, and he duffed it both times. Both it, it was Juju. Yeah, it was. It, yeah, it was Juju. Yeah, I remember it's that like, game. Don't let the beginner take the. Don't let them take the corner kicks. Let them do that in practice a few times. Let them do it in games that aren't as critical. Or if we've got a lead, then let them in. But in the meantime, I you know Pete Pennanen, if he stays hydrated and doesn't cramp up, let him take as many as he wants. You know, that that kid has got it dialed in. He's accurate. I really, really appreciated him even more after watching his work rate yesterday and his accuracy for the most part. I really like Pete. 
So, guys, so, in, in in terms of the the phantom goal, unfortunately, it's not in the highlights. Uh, I don't know why. Maybe you know, USL didn't want to you know open up any you know situations and all that. But of course, you could probably still go back on ESPN Plus and figure out again what minute that was and look at it. But yesterday, I remember watching it at least right in in the uh, I think it was in the halftime highlights and. I'm with you guys. I, I didn't see anything, right? I, I looked at that play the couple times they replayed it, and yeah, I, I don't understand. What if anything, one of our players falls down? Is what I recall. <laughs> so yeah. that th- that happens. I don't know if maybe referee thought, you know, maybe it was the weight team because again we were wearing the white jersey. <laughs> I don't know what happened there. So something really weird happened. But I do have to say that after looking at it there a couple of times, you know, as much as Derek did score that goal, uh, you know, uh, during that play and, and all that, maybe it could have been different, though. I have a feeling if the referee doesn't actually, um, you know, call it a foul because the goalkeeper didn't do anything right. I feel like everyone just kind of paused and and the whistle blew uh, moments before uh, Derek actually uh, kicks the ball, too. So. That's that's how I felt. Maybe you know, maybe it wouldn't have been a goal, <laughs> um, but who knows, right? Um, well, we'll never know if uh, what would have happened there. But I, I think they do need to pay more attention to that, and hopefully, USL uh, is actually giving feedback to referees and and letting them look at those things because, right? For all we know, if it would have been a goal, I mean, it it really goes against the result, right? Like it's big difference. This could be the playoff determination kind of point, as uh, you know, dramatic as that might sound. We only got one point, makes a huge difference at the end of the season, maybe to have two more points. So, you know, you never know how much it can really hurt us at the end of the season, too. But I mean, you know, there was progress made with the team, and I really did enjoy seeing all those shots, all the opportunities that we had. I mean, I don't even remember what opportunity the roots had that actually was on target <laughs> and for us to be able to say something like that i think is is good we want to say more of that right like say like i don't even remember when they had their shot because <laughs> we we just kept dominating and i'm with you sharon i don't know why they say we had 46 percent possession because it seemed more like an 80 20 like it really seemed like a uh barcelona style possession match like roots was not even anywhere near the ball and you know i have to say that in the last game we played against them that's how the game should have been but the mistakes we had made it seem like it was a closer game than it actually was and the roots haven't done well this season and so it does worry me however that we let go of six points, right? And we only gained two points out of six against the Roots in these two games that should have been three points for each game, right? We should have like gotten the six points against them. and But we didn't, so we, we didn't. can't talk yeah. about it. By the way, I found the minute. So in the 29th minute, we take a free kick, and apparently there was a foul um, when the players rushed the box on the free kick, which... Uh, then the knockdown rebound occurred and Derek Formella finished it off. So uh, they, but still, even I, I was reading the teleprompter, not teleprompter, the closed captioning, and it does show the 
announcers saying we didn't see even on the replay they couldn't see what the foul was so it was yeah. on, a, on a free free kick taken by pete pennon but they they said that the referee uh, blew blew the whistle for a foul that was that occurred when the players all rushed you know for the for the box so and i still don't see the foul it, but it was uh, 20, 29 uh, minutes, nine seconds. Uh, so if anybody is interested in looking at that again, it was in the 29th minute ninth, uh, with nine seconds on the clock. So oh, yeah, um, yep. er, early on, early on yeah. could have been, could have been a different situation, but yep. I mean, you know, the only thing is that this really worries me uh, because even though we had all these opportunities and all that uh, Oakland is last place right now in the standings and I don't know how I feel about the next games against the teams that are higher up than Oakland because if you couldn't if you can't beat a team that should be more accessible right that should be a team that you should be beating I don't know how how the rest of the season's going to go down and you know we're at that point and I always say it right we're at that point but you know games are just coming by so quick and before you know it we're only going to have like five remaining games and we're going to be like pulling out the calculator doing the calculations like how many points do we need to be able to <laughs> manage to scratch that like fourth place and be able to um, make it just barely and I don't know it's going to be a really complicated situation and we only have two more games against the Roots which again who are the quote-unquote easier team and both of those games are of course going to be in the bay area and uh might be a different route might be the same one but you know now you're playing away right <laughs> now maybe if you had any advantage with maybe climate possibly right like you know getting them at like 100 degree days well now that's gone right now you're gonna have, have a much better climate but you know, your maybe climate advantage is, is not theirs. We just got to keep thinking uh, positive. I know I just kind of went on a little rant there, but that's just how I'm feeling right now. And we have to be sincere with ourselves, right? And really uh, say that that's what we're seeing. And hopefully something different changes, right, at the other part of the season. But yeah, we, we need to really uh, make sure that if we want to even make it fourth place, then it's got to happen now and we can't wait any longer to get those three points because we might be out of the playoffs early on if we just keep getting one point or you know if we don't get those three points in the next uh i would say three games then it's gonna be really worrisome and whatnot but we'll see with that being said uh and i can't wait till the day when i don't say this but Let's go ahead and look at the standings, as sad as that might be, uh, because we really need to look at how the picture is looking like at the moment. So again, we are in the Western Conference Pacific group, and we are seventh out of eighth in the table there uh, with nine points uh, out of 10 games played. Uh, we're, we're not in the one point per game uh equation anymore <laughs> jared and i both had our faces covered we didn't want to look at the standings <laughs> it's this is not a happy place for a diehard sacramento republic fan this is just not we've talked about this before Luis. this is not a happy place mm. to see of 10 games we have nine points this has never happened it's not yeah. this is not us this is we're not at the 
we're at the risk of, for the first time in club history, missing out on the playoffs. I mean, it, mm-hmm. that's never happened going as far back as 2014. We have always known playoff soccer, but this is a year that we could well be go- going down to Cancun by the time playoffs go. Or, <laughs> or actually, with, with, with the salary they make, maybe more like uh, Monterey. I don't know. I don't even think it's Monterey. I think it's Visalia. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, could, could be, could be. Actually, so, may, maybe closer because Bicelia would require a lot of gas, right? And gas is expensive, right? <laughs> oh, now. yeah. Lodi <laughs> Lake. Okay, Lodi Lake. We'll go yeah, to Lodi yeah. Lake. Uh, yeah, the Galt it is. <laughs> Galt it is. Oh, my goodness. We digress. You know, I, I don't know if any of the players ever listen to this podcast, you know, and I'm, I'm not certain, uh, you know, what they take to heart and if they if they can feel our heart wanting them, you know, to just excel or do something different. And, you know, our angst of seeing our wonderful Sacramento Republic and the standings. Okay. Yeah. It was a pandemic year last year. It was a weird ass year. We're still, you know, on a, we're still on a breakup with Phoenix because of what they did to us with the handball. I mean, I know that all those things weigh on the emotions, I have no idea what the players are seeing on the field. I have no idea what Mark Briggs, I don't know. We're not, we're, we're not really privy to see how the responsiveness is. We don't know what he's asking of them. Um, it would be really nice to hear what, what difference he's making. You know, what is, what is he changing if anything? And we, we need, it's almost like, can we please know that? You know, what is being done? Are we keeping Mark Briggs? Are we keeping Todd Dunavant? Are are we just going to, maybe tomorrow's a better day? You know, we want to know. We want a happy ending. We said it the last time. Yeah, I mean, I think that's the question that, that we all have, that we all really want to know, right? And we saw it last season, right? There's a lot of situations that happen, and I'm still disappointed from all the different movements that went on and we don't really have a clear answer as to exactly why some of the players had to leave and and all that. And hopefully one day we can get some clarification on that because we had a good solid team last season, right? Even in a pandemic year, even with all the challenges that we had to like go through, they were doing really good. I, I, Every single time they would go out there and play and, you know, up until they played against Phoenix, I thought we had a championship team. I was really confident last season. And, you know, we take that handball aside. I I feel like we could have gone far. Um, Of course, there was no champion, right, as we all know, (laughs) uh, because of the final being canceled. But I really enjoyed watching that team. And most of those uh, team members actually knew each other well, right? We had a lot of players that had already been playing for a couple of seasons, um, some fan favorites, right? We can't forget Podcast Magic, uh, Roro, and and we now see how they're doing, right? Roro's first oh, yeah. place with RGB Toros. Uh, we, we got Podcast Magic with uh, OKC. Yeah, sure, they might not be, you know, in, in the top places too, but he's doing pretty good. We've seen him actually score uh, quite a couple of goals in the last couple of games. So they're off to a good start. They're doing good things. Uh, Matt Mahoney. Matt, Matt Mahoney's doing well. Yeah. With, yeah. Uh, with the Colorado Springs, right? Yeah. yeah. 
So he's doing good. He's he's playing games. So you know what's not to like about you know the guys that have left, and then Drew Scundrich. You know he's playing with DC United the first team. Mm. You know MLS. He got signed. So I mean this is good stuff. What we had last year. It's kind of interesting. You know breaking up the breaking up the team, and maybe this is our rebuilding year. But nobody's telling us that. You know mm. it's like can the, can you just tell us that you're doing a rebuild? You know, and that better times to lay ahead. Uh, it would be, it would be dandy to know a little bit more. You did not hear the cat. You did not hear the cat. Did you hear the cat? <laughs> yeah, I, I was gonna say <laughs> your cat was just in agreement with you. It sounded like mm -hmm. your cat said, "Yeah, like, oh, tell me about it." They're not saying anything. <laughs> yeah, smart cat right there. Yeah, no. smart cat. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I, I agree with you. It'd be great if they let us know that, but. You know, at the beginning of the season, when all those movements were happening and we were all waiting, like, okay, who who are we going to get transferred? Because we're trying to figure out what's going on. Like, you guys just let go a lot of players that were fundamental to the team and what's going on, right? We wanted explanations. And uh, I know a lot of people are on the same boat as us and we're really disappointed at seeing some of the players that that had to leave, right? Podcast Magic was voted MVP uh, of the team, uh, Roro being a legend, and we talked to him on the podcast, right? And, uh, we, you know, we, we know uh, how much he apported the team and uh, all the different things that he would do and, and just standing up as a leader in difficult times. And I know he wanted to retire in Sacramento. We all know that. Uh, he probably wanted to, he was probably okay actually with like a salary cut because that, that's just how much he loved Sacramento. And so I hope one day someone tells me why he left because he was really admired and setting all the other players aside. I mean, that, that guy was a part of our history and he really should have retired with us and the team should have done everything possible to, to keep him and, ensure that he didn't go anywhere else because as we just said right you, you just know never know at. right you just never know you know what the conversations are between the coach and the players though so, you know you, you you never know you never know what has transpired you know you don't know what you know did the was the chemistry right between the coach and the player because you have to have that too and I don't know currently even what the chemistry looks like between Mark Briggs and, and his guys. I do know that some of the guys are still pretty tight, like Rafa and Jaime and, um, you know, Shannon and, and a lot of the guys. There is a core of them that are still incredibly tight. Um, and, you know, and, and just kind of when we were in Oakland, we kind of touched Luis. You and I were kind of bugging the guys, you know, hey, how's it going? You know, are you guys still fitting in? And, and there seemed to be some nice – you could tell that they were comrades um, for the most part when we were in, in San Jose, you know, I, but I can tell you this, they're not all living in the same complex when they all lived in the, like relatively the same complex, mm -hmm. there was a lot more camaraderie off the pitch. Um, and I don't know how much they're doing now. And even somebody mentioned that, oh gosh, I don't, I don't know if it was out loud or if it was on one of the social media Either they asked if the guys are doing things together, doing social things together, like going bowling and that kind of, you know, the fun stuff mm -hmm. where they're, where they build the relationships and break out the break away from the clicks, you know, the known, the known clicks, so to speak. So I don't, you know, I honestly, it, it would be, we, it's like, 
we don't need to know this, but it sure would help us understand, you know, if things are moving in the right direction. Yeah, I think as far as getting the uh, the backstory behind a lot of the transactions from years past, I think uh, our best shot on that is maybe partnering with Carmichael Dave and getting like a Republic FC 30 for 30 film uh, put together, you know, interviewing uh, Vivian Bijev, uh, Roro, um, oh, yeah, some of the other big names from the past, because, I mean, really, that, that would tell that the whole story as far as, you know, is it really that, uh, that much camaraderie you know, over the years or were there some headbutting here and there? I mean, it would definitely tell a story you know, of where we're at now and how we progress to it. I mean, because we, I mean, as much pain as, as it could be to bring up some of those memories, you know, for, for some of the players, I mean, it would give us a better idea on how we can move forward, you know, get back to the, magic of 2014 2015 you know the the years past because right now it's it's chaos i mean they i don't know i've i've seen better chemistry we could definitely improve on what we have right now yeah i think you know in years past we had um, old i, I want to say older statesmen older older leaders that knew how they all lived relatively within like a mile of each other kind of a thing. You know, they were all relatively close. You know, the married guys were at one apartment complex and the single guys, well, at the time they were single, were in another apartment complex. And, and then the older guys that were more settled, I don't want to say settled, but you know, they were partnered up with somebody. They would always mm-hmm. host the get togethers and the gatherings. They were having informal barbecues. And I certainly hope that, you know, the squad has figured that out, but Knowing where the guys live right now, there's scattered stuff like, you know, Cam is the, the one place and uh, Mitch and, and KB are, are downtown kind of a thing. And uh, Jordy is downtown. And then some guys are in one apartment unit and, and I don't know where they, all of them are in the apartment units, but it's gotten a little bit scattered. And, and when Graham, and I don't want to digress, you know, when Graham Smith was in charge, he knew that he had to have the players living really close to each other, you know, really, really close by. He didn't want everybody all over the place because he knew that he had to, they had to build the bonding. Uh, they had to build those bonds. Yeah. And, um, but, you know, but that's the old school, that's the old school English style. And I don't know how San Jose does it. I don't know how any of the other pro teams here, you know, major league soccer teams do it. You know, there was some buzz years ago that Sacramento, and I don't know if it was going to be Nagel or whomever, that they were going to try to invest in an apartment complex or, you know, kind of own something, you know, and, and have all the players housed right there together. Um, not, you know, on top of each other, but, you know, close to each other in, in, in a, in a situation. And I think that that helps now, who knows, maybe the guys have figured out how to get together after, you know, off the field, you know, when they, so they can be mates off the pitch, so to speak. I'm yeah. happy that, that they can, they can sort that one out. Cause I think that really does help. And if that is happening, I think the team should share those moments, right? Like, Get, get someone out there with a video camera and re- record the players out there having fun. And so that way we can actually see that. And hopefully it's like true, right? We don't want anything. <laughs> we don't want anything made up, right? Like just show us like the genuine um, 
friendships, right, that they're uh, developing and, you know, show us that, right? Because if we see that, then, you know, we will we'll say, right, like you guys just aren't having luck, right? You guys do know each other well, like there's no or there's not as much conflicts, right? Like everything is uh, pretty good. And so we'll have that. But I, I don't know why they wouldn't have them all in the same apartment complex, like you were saying, Sharon. Because I feel like in recent times they were still doing that, right? If I'm not mistaken, even till like last season. So I'm curious why they decided to shy away from that and and just have everyone all scattered around. But I mean, it it just shows you right how things happen and how the situation is right now. And, and so I have a feeling, and this is just me like personally here that that camaraderie isn't really there. I mean, they have, these players have not known each other for too long. And, you know, this season at the beginning, like I said earlier already, like it was a bit chaotic with some players having to leave. And we, we heard the news of some players leaving like super late. And it just seemed like players just came in at random time. Some players came in like super close to the beginning of the season. And, you know, you, I feel like you can't really have that. You should already have a solid team with a solid preseason, have all that in place. But I, I feel like so, it's been all over the place. Case in point, when we had the Jeopardy, I think it was the second Jeopardy, where James Kiffy was a category. And and the and everybody who, who knew, they knew James Kiffy's favorite bar was the Shady Lady. Everybody knew that. It's like everybody knew everything about all the players. They knew you know, they would always talk about where they were going to go after the game and go play. But I just thought it was interesting that the folks that we had on, you know, for the second Jeopardy, Jared, you were on that. Um, no, I was on, I was on, I was on the first one. First one. Yeah. Okay. So second Jeopardy, everybody knew that Kiffy's favorite place was the shady lady. I mean, you know, it's it, so interesting. And, and, uh, even some of the players that we interviewed afterwards, when we talk about memories, they talk about this collective group memory um, of doing things in, in group, you know, and, and that's what, why people love playing in Sacramento is there's that. I just want to hear more about that, that camaraderie. And if Connor, if you're listening to this podcast, we need to get to the bottom of this since we can't seem to get any interviews, you know, with any of the players, although I know Luis is going to be working on that. But you know, Connor, we need to we need to hear a little bit more about the the camaraderie, and um, you know, it, it it would certainly be nice to know that the guys are doing a lot of stuff off the pitch together, so that you know they can talk about the game, they can talk about playing, and they can talk about this visualizations of situations where they because that's what happens. You know, we when I played. And we were done with the game. We spent two hours after the game talking about different things that we would want to see different, you know, that we want to do differently the next time because we were visualizing tactics and strategy and runs that we weren't making that we could have made. And, you know, we were talking about the good times. Oh, yeah, when you made that cutting run, do that again and I'll find you because you did that differently this time that worked. You know, it's that kind of stuff where you replay the game together away from the pitch. And you, you know, that's when you visualize something it's with anything in life, you visualize it over and over and over and it comes true. You know, you can make something happen that way. And, and I would just love to see that it's happening with our guys. 
Yeah, that would be nice if they they do that. They correct their mistakes, and I mean, come on, it's it's their career, right? We we just we think about our own careers, and we would do these things right if we were to go through failures and things wouldn't work out. We would probably go back to the drawing board, right, and just keep like analyzing situations and figure out, okay, why is it that I didn't actually pass this? Why didn't I do good? Let me go back and let me make sure that the next time I do this, that I learn from my mistakes, that I'm super focused because this is what I do for a living, right? That they're not just mm-hmm. the, it, this isn't just like a, a Saturday night game, right? A, a local league game where they have another job, they they have to focus on other things, and then they just meet up and they play a game, right? <laughs> like this is their full time job. This is what they do, and. Uh, a lot of them have aspirations to make the jump to MLS uh, or to stay with the team for a couple of years and hopes that MLS comes back to us. And so, it, you know, it's, you know, it's unacceptable if they're not doing this, because if they're not doing this, then hence this might be why we're seeing what we're seeing on the pitch. Um, I mean, players should be practicing corner kicks, right? Practicing your free kicks, like keep at it. I mean, I, I've heard stories from, uh, professional players who are, have been really good at free kicks. And most of the time they'll tell stories where they'll say like, after practice, when the team was all gone, I stayed and I, I made sure that like, I practiced those free kicks. I kept, you know, practicing, practicing, and that's how I got good at it. And so when you hear those stories, I feel like as a player, you should be thinking the same mindset, right? Like, let me practice those corner kicks, the free kicks, the penalty kicks, everything, so, right? When I used to work for the team, the one player who would stay late always was Roro. Um, he was always working on his different technique after, you know, people were already headed back, you know, to the changing room. And Roro would stick around and he was trying all the different shots from the different angles. And he was, you know, it, was, it would be like we were trying to put the balls away. And he's like, no, 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 just leave me five, leave me five. You know, I'll, I'll get him back to you. Um, you know, and, and I've seen other players, you know, like Wilson would stay later periodically and do stuff. But I always saw Rower when he was with the early, the early years, he was always staying late. Um, and I don't know who does, who does that now. I'm sure a lot of them do, you know, uh, just because they really want to dial it in. Some of them do. I know that Hayden was overtraining in preseason. So I bet you he was one of those that was working hard to, you know, work on some of his technique. Um, yeah. Wait a minute. So Hayden was in the match in San Diego, correct, Jared? I do believe so, yes. Wasn't he a starter with Nobby? Um, oh, no, it was Dan and Nobby. Never mind. Um, I thought that was an injury. I got to go back to that. Uh, maybe it was the game prior where it was. Yeah, it was the game prior to that um, where um, Hayden Sargis was paired up with um, – I'm trying to remember. No, Dan was serving a red card suspension. I'm trying to remember. Anyhow, it doesn't matter. But I thought that was – I I still want to see more of, of Hayden Sargis. I, I, I think – okay, never mind. I, I, I must be thinking – Yeah, it, it was the game form. against Phoenix before that, that one, yeah. Okay, yeah. But I, I still want to see more of him. I think he still has a, a, things that he can learn. Um, I, I want to see I want to see more of Hayden Sargis, and I was kind of, you know, both he and Nami didn't get on the field yesterday at all, and maybe they're going to be using the young guys during the hot weather <laughs> on Saturday, and maybe they were kind of holding him back. 
because we're playing Orange County and Orange County is definitely not used to the heat. So maybe they're using our, our younger, more durable guys in heat. Who knows? Dan Casey's young, but he's smart too. He's good. He's good. Yeah. I like Dan. Yeah. And, and speaking of that game, right? This Saturday, July 10th at 8 p.m., we play Orange County uh, in what you were mentioning off air, Sharon, 109 degrees. Uh, let me look and see if it's changed. Uh, it's predicted for in my town, 109. I'll tell you what Sacramento is going to look like. Sacramento on Saturday is 111. Oh, it went so up. face of the sun. Basically, we are playing on the face of the sun. And they will also assess the air quality because if the AQI jacks up, it's not like we have any fires right now, but if the wind directions change and the fires that are burning up north and we start getting the smoke in the valley, I mean, they'll definitely assess all those things, including the heat um, for uh, player. And then they'll have the court, the water breaks if they do decide to play. I don't know what the temperature will be like at game time. Cause like right now uh, it is, I don't know what, time it is right now it's nine something 946 946 and it's 88 degrees at 946 but it was still 99 i think when we started this podcast at eight o'clock uh right well when i was coming home at eight o'clock it was 90 something degrees so saturday's gonna be a lot hotter <laughs> i don't know how um, they're gonna do it i just welcome to, welcome to my world yeah <laughs> the face of the sun yeah, yeah. But like you said, Sharon, too, I mean, it, it should be an advantage for us. Orange County has never been through this weather unless they've already played Phoenix. So I'd have to check back, but they're not used to this weather, right? I mean, Southern California never gets anything that is that bad. Uh, the coastal like, communities, yeah. No, yeah, the coastal, coastal, yeah. Or coastal, yeah, yeah. yeah. All the ones that are there. So it might be to our advantage. Well, we'll see, but... Orange County is going to be a tough opponent, as as we all uh, know them already. And I mean, in the standings, they they're they're up there, right? I mean, standings they're in second place, right under uh, Phoenix. So, uh, in, as I always like to say, if whenever we play a top team that is uh, in the first three spots in the table, if we beat them, then great. This might be the turn of the page, and this might be. Uh, a completely different team and i'm sure the inspiration would be all the way up there for every single player if you beat a team that you know everyone had you as like the underdog so we'll we'll see we'll we'll see how how this game uh turns out and hopefully it does happen hopefully you know that there there's an issue with their quality and all that because if you have to postpone another game and plus with that oakland game that they're still figuring out what when that's even going to happen uh, it, it's it's going to be a, a toll on us, right? Because as it is, we need those three points. And if you keep <laughs> waiting till the end of the season, sure, we might have some games in hand, but you know, you're going to be under tremendous pressure even more <laughs> to try and get those three points and whatnot. So, yeah, yeah, ho- hopefully not. But looking ahead after that game, uh, it's going to be. I mean, it's a crazy four game stretch and just a week and a half uh, about a week and a half uh, we play vegas right we're traveling down to vegas on wednesday july 14th uh, vegas who normally we've said in the past right has been an easy opponent uh for us 
they have 10 points in 10 games. They're they're above us, right? By one point. <laughs> Same game yeah. played. So, but look at that goal yeah. difference, though. The goal difference for Las Vegas <laughs> is negative 11. I mean, if we think we're doing bad, I mean, look at how many goals Las Vegas has been giving up. But then again, you know, Las Vegas, I mean, their priorities have changed a little bit since now they've partnered with LAFC, but everything else is still same old Vegas. I mean, now they're allowing uh, a partnership with Toyota to where fans can park their Toyota trucks on the sidelines and watch the game there. And of course, they still have the all you can drink, uh, the Jalisco Estrella, or Estrella Jalisco, which, you know, if I still go out for Labor Day match, I'm almost tempted just to buy a ticket just for that. Because given this season, we'll probably need it. <laughs> but but uh, still, it's I, I wouldn't uh, underestimate uh, Las Vegas lights as much as looking at that goal difference makes us ha- even more hungry. We got to keep our uh, foot on the pedal. Well, do they still have the helicopter and the million dollars? That is that thing still going on? <laughs> Probably. I mean, granted, the first time they did, they actually got a complaint from the FAA <laughs> for, for doing that. But I, I remember last year they were talking about doing that. There was the midnight match, which kicked off at 11 that they were going to do. In fact, when we were going to play them first in March of last year, uh, that would have been a quote unquote guaranteed win game where if the Las Vegas Lights lost against the Republic FC, the home fans would get a voucher for a free ticket to to another game. But that was that was right when the the uh, pandemic started. Oh. Well, they oh. dream big in Las Vegas, that's for sure. <laughs> oh, yeah. Wow. Well, th- there would have been a lot of cheering if we would have actually won that game. <laughs> well, that's uh, that's uh, a shame. But but yeah, so big stretch, right? You, you got you got two two games and Again, last our last one was against Vegas, so it's looking like what I just said uh, in the last episode might end up becoming true, where we don't get our next win until we play against Vegas, but hopefully we get it this Saturday and we don't wait for that game, uh, because after that game, we, we are going to have a pretty lengthy break, right about a week and a half until we face Orange County again, but this time in Irvine on July 24th, so... You got to get something out of this because after that, you're going to have a big break and, you know, who knows. On the flip side, too, if we do get good results, you know, it, it is one of those things that I, I already said it at the beginning of the season. Uh, you get long breaks and might mess up your vibe, right? Especially if we start getting like a winning streak or something like that. And so, unfortunately, that's that's what we have to deal with with the USL with uneven games and schedule all over the place and us playing randomly against the Red Bulls too <laughs> of all teams, which I got to say they are doing uh, similar to us. They are in seventh place in their table. Um, so there is that, but again, it's, it's just so weird how the schedule was made this season, but yeah, I would have to agree. I almost uh, decided to fly out to Sacramento for that match until I suddenly remembered Wait a second. Paul Oakenfold is playing in Tempe that night. I already bought tickets, so I had to shut that down. But hopefully it'll be, if we win, it's going to be all that sweeter to try and get uh, Paul Oakenfold either a, a Republic FC scarf 
or maybe a personalized kit. Cause I know he's a big Chelsea fan. So if I can get a personalized kit to Paul Oakenfold, who is a, a trance uh, DJ legend going on 20 years, he's scored uh, the movie swordfish. He's gone on to um, Mount Everest, a big DJ. If I can make a, a public FC fan at him or at least look like one, I mean, how awesome would that be? That would kick butt. Wow. Yeah, that that would be awesome. And hopefully, hopefully that works out good. And I'm assuming is the concert at like 10 or is it like a late night thing? Uh, well, they say it's all, all ages or at least 18 plus. So I would imagine it's uh, starting at uh, 10 p.m. So oh. I would I would still have enough time to at least stream it on ESPN plus. So it should be good. Cool. Well, yeah, have a handy and <laughs> you'll find out what happens after the game, right? It'll start right after and hopefully it's a celebratory day and, and hopefully we've already gained three points before. So we're just like, eh, more, another three points because we need him and it's not even a team that is in our table. So, well, before we say goodbye today, um, wanted to invite you all to check us out on our social media accounts. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram at State Republic 12. Um, we promise you we are going to be working on Jeopardy number three. And I probably said this already like five <laughs> times <laughs> uh, in the past. But we're going to we're going to make it happen because I am actually paying for that service. So uh, we need we need Jeopardy back. <laughs> All right. Uh, I get the hint. <laughs> uh, but but uh, yeah, so but be on the lookout. Uh, we're definitely going to have a date uh, shortly, too, for you all. So we can already start planning for that and, and figuring out if Elia is going to continue with this championship or if we get a new champion. And, and be on the lookout for a, uh, I'm not going to say it in like a loser's kind of style, right? But like the a second chance Jeopardy where we're going to have people who weren't able to be champions, but hey, we're giving them a second chance because they did really good and we want them back on as well. And Jared is actually one of those here who we want we want to see back yeah. back on there and and others as well right that have been on that um definitely deserve to to be back on and get a second opportunity too so yeah yeah absolutely i'm down for that then i won't ask you to help me develop any questions because i was just going to do that but nope not not now <laughs> not if i know you're going to be a guest forget it ah, i well, screwed that, up <laughs> well that, would, that won't be for jeopardy number three that'll be for the the one uh, probably after that that'll be the second chance (laughs) because sometimes i recycle questions so never mind (laughs) that's not a bad idea for anyone listening right if we recycle some questions and see who was actually paying attention to Mm -hmm. the first two and yeah yeah like like the the big question was who just got married to in toronto (laughs) (laughs) yeah and he was like it's me isn't it (laughs) (laughs) poor jeremy (laughs) and i don't think his buzzer went fast enough i think villian ended up getting that one or whoever was playing i forget who was against him but yeah yeah he didn't buzz in fast enough yeah i think it was uh billion too and it it may have been it may have been the phone i gotta say like that that buzzer depending on your internet (laughs) yep yeah Uh, cool. Well, awesome. Well, Sharon, Jared, 
thank you for being on. Uh, I, I know, again, the circumstances weren't what we would hope for, right? But at the very least, we're not speaking about a loss today. And we've <laughs> talked about so much. And all we got to do is just keep supporting the team, as, as we always say, no matter what. Even though we've never been under these circumstances before, I just hope that people uh, understand that sometimes you got to go through these things, right, where you don't aren't doing good. And if we don't qualify for the playoffs, please, please still be out there, support your team. And I, I shouldn't even be saying this, right, because I know everyone in Sacramento is like that with their sports teams, right? We know the Kings still get support, even though playoffs are always really far away. <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. But let, let's let's keep at that. You know, all we can do right now is just support the team and um, eventually, eventually things are going to work out. And if it's not this season, all, all I really hope is for the next season that we actually maintain these same players and d- don't mess with the team. Keep him, keep him going, give him a second season, and we might see a much better team. So that's yeah. all I ask for. Yes. I couldn't agree with you more. And thank you, Luis, for always being the backbone of the podcast. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, everyone, for listening to us tonight. And uh, we will see you next week here on State of the Republic podcast. Have a good night, everybody. See you later. <laughs> <laughs>